David, the big chance the extra time sort of fell to Stuart Bannigan, who couldn't take it. I'm going to ask you, if Stuart Bannigan had hair on his head, does the ball hit the back of the net? Yes. Thank you. Welcome to Draw, Lose or Draw, a podcast covering all things Partick Thistle. Joining me this week to look back on our playoff final defeat to Ross County, Rhys Haldane. Rhys, how are you? Not good. Not good at all. <laughs> Absolutely not really despondent. Yep. Jamie, in advance on not good and utterly despondent. Dreadful. Heather? Horrific and yep. close to tears and I really apologise for my voice. I've just been shouting for like, you know, the last few weeks. So apologies to everyone who's got my voice in their AirPods. I think that would be the least of people's concerns, to be honest. And uh, David Forrest is, is recovered from his sickbed. How are you? How, how, how am I? Um, no comment. Just, just no comment. Oh, yeah. just, no, I, I prefer not to speak, to be honest. <laughs> Well, unfortunately, as a podcast, we are going to have to speak. Um, th- this is a trigger warning at the start of the episode. We do discuss the Ross County tie for the, the county tie alone for at least 45 minutes. So I would say skip that um, and skip maybe about an hour if you want to go to the, the season reviews. But we do discuss the Ross County tie for a while just in case it's, it's still too fresh for you. And there will be a timestamp in the description if you if you want an accurate time to skip to. as a whole so we'll talk about the first leg first which seems actually seems like a really long time ago it was only on Thursday and um, Reese, I'll just ask you how well do you think we played in that first leg who stood out for you how would you assess the performance on Thursday night <sighs> it's going to be even tough to talk about this but I Thursday was was brilliant felt an absolute cloud nine for how packed to the rafters Fitzway scoring an absolutely brilliant goal beating two men far post brilliant uh, obviously 2-0 up red card and I just felt at the time we had to build on that the chance was there to go and take three or four of them with 10 men and we had the chances we had umpteen chances and didn't put them away and it's the first way that you always worry going oh, we should have got more there we probably should have took a bigger lead and part of me was thinking oh, mate I thought that for every playoff game I thought that going to air I thought that going to Queen's Park and stuff and we didn't, we didn't need it because we went out and battered them but Unfortunately, it wasn't to be the case this time. But I on Thursday it was a good night. The only thing I left thinking I was a wee bit a wee bit annoyed that it wasn't more. And it, it's mental that we'd come so far in these playoffs where we're, we're leaving the Premiership playoff final two 0 up, and we just felt annoyed. Well, I mean myself personally, I was a wee bit annoyed, but of course happy as well. 
Yeah, and just on the, the red card and how important that was to the game, I remember saying to my mate Johnny, who was at the game, when the red card happened, it was obviously 1-0. When the red card comes out, I said to my, my pal Johnny, I think we need to get three. I think this is such a big chance we need to get three. And then we end up with two. And after the game, we all think, oh, well, we'd have taken two before the game. We spoke about it last week, we'd have taken two before the game. But yeah, the red card playing, well, it must have been close to an hour against 10 men at home. We're tuning up at half time, a, a whole 45 minutes. Jamie, why do, why do you think it, it stayed 2-0? Do you think our approach in the second half changed? How impressed with, were you with Ross County's sort of defensive resolve to keep it at 2-0? Because I think Malky McKay seemed pretty happy after the game that it was just 2-0. What did you make of the second half on Thursday? Quite frustrating in the second half. We had a lot of chances. Ross County did put in some good blocks, to be fair. They put their body on the line. Blade Law tipped that Mullen shot onto the bar, even though it was straight down the middle of the goal. Still did well enough to tip it away. Tiffany had that shot blocked. Graham had that header, went straight to Blade Law. Yeah, we had tons of chances, tons of chances. And it's hard to put your finger on exactly why we didn't score another day. We'd probably walk away for 4 0 win there. We got the thing off a four goal advantage. We go one nil up. I don't want it. I can't be bothered doing it, but so maybe it's just I don't know. I don't know why we didn't score, and it's painful that we didn't because if we'd scored even one more in the home leg, then who knows? Heather, who were the standout performers for you on Thursday night? There were there were lots of good ones. I think the first half, I thought we were nervous for the first ten minutes, but there was a sort of 20, 25 minute period. I thought we were we were really good and playing some excellent football. Who stood out for you? I think obviously um, Ian Fitzpatrick has had a sensational run in these playoffs and I think again on Thursday he really showed why he hasn't been dropped and the importance he has got on our squad for you know this year but also for for the future I think Fitzpatrick is the future of our club I um, thought he did so well he had his the guy marking him on toast and um, it was just very enjoyable to see. I also thought Brian Graham was absolutely everywhere, both attacking, obviously, but defensively as well. The passion that he shows, you know, you could tell that Brian Graham was running on absolute, like he had nothing, he had nothing left, like genuinely, but was still able to muster such incredible strength and determination throughout, which is what makes like what happened yesterday just so horrific but um so yeah Fitzy and Graham obviously but I also thought Aaron Muirhead had a really really good game and I've been critical of Muirhead and Burnley over the last wee while and I don't think without without reason but I did think that um they were everywhere and there was a shot that one of their players had um in the second half and Muirhead got himself in the way of it and that that, that was a that was a definite goal I think so I you know it was bodies on the line stuff which I love and um yeah those are my standouts I'll come back to you Heather with the first listener question then Watson's asked on Twitter do we build the team around Fitzpatrick next season how key is he going to be um going forward for for the, the club yeah, I think in Fitzpatrick obviously had a unlucky spell at Norwich. You know, he he went down quite early and uh, wanted to build his career there. I think that now, especially, I mean, obviously we, the the club have just posted recently, but the fact that you know the club are in talks with people under contract and people out of it and what's going to happen, and I think it's going to be quite a tough read on Instagram and Twitter over the next week while with 
players posting the the horrible red and yellow love heart and the thanks for the memories like I'll never forget etc I think that's going to be hard but I think that Fitzy is the future you see the way that he you know points at the badge when he scores he absolutely loves he loves his club and um, I also think that the playoffs just really showcase that when he's in form when he's in confidence he is unplayable at times and yes maybe he doesn't have the stamina to last a full game but he's got the creativity there that that a Thistle team need I think that's been something that's been such a joy over the last few while we've been playing such stunning football and I think Fitzpatrick is a massive part of that yeah, I agree. I think it was after the Hamilton game, which also seems like ages ago. That was one of the last games of the season with Fitzpatrick. I think he got a rare start, but he missed a couple of big chances. And I think I said, I think I was at that game with my mum and I said, he could win the league's player of the year next season if he could finish. And in the playoffs, he has been finishing. And Reece, you'll hear it later on, Reese says he was the, the MVP of the playoffs. And that's that's totally right. And if we get that out of Fitzpatrick next season, I think he will be the best player in the league. I think he's got that much potential to be good. And again, I think he deserves massive credit because he could have just sort of chucked it in. He got the money from Norwich. He could have just chucked it in after that, but he's not. He's come back. And again, he's he's better than he was in his first spell. And he's still crazily young. I think he's, what is he, 22? He's got so much potential to, to sort of lead, lead us to really good things next season. And I, I just want to shout Brian Graham out as well, Heather. I agree with you. His, his goal was amazing on Thursday night. I, th- I don't think that finish should be forgotten. That was a brilliant finish. I thought he'd won his best games of the season. I thought his hold-up play was brilliant. He didn't give Ross County centre-backs a minute. He was bringing other players into play, obviously topped up with a goal. He was he was outstanding for me on, on Thursday night. I think he did get the man of the match. I think that was much deserved. David, we've had a, another listener question this time from David Forrest on Twitter, who asks, what percentage does the panel think we have of winning the 22-23 the championship? I mean, we it was a tough result yesterday, and but we were on a good run at the moment, and I think that we are sixty-six percent uh, likely to win the twenty twenty-two twenty-three um, championship. That's fair enough. Who stood out for you on Thursday night, David? I mean, the Graham goal was like an absolutely wondrous sight. I mean, like what obviously watching it on the TV, it looks brilliant. In the stands where he hits it, and you're sitting there and you see it, I, it was utterly incredible and obviously everyone went mad yeah but it's, I really liked Graham and I, I, lo- I love the passion that he showed even though it was I guess Ross County He'd talked about how obviously Ross County had a special place in his heart but it didn't matter the second he scored and he was the absolutely there for it Fitzpatrick again was unreal and yeah he's just he's just shown so much promise over the playoffs he's he's the player that we all suspected he would be when he was with us in the first tenure with the club and as you say like next season the sky's the limit for him with us and yeah I really really enjoyed Fitzpatrick all in all though the, the game was you know it was a good game I, I agree that we definitely should have been scoring more it should have been four or five but to be honest you know what as you said, we either take, we'll take two now going into the second leg next week and hopefully we can, you know, keep hold and, you know, we'll be in the Premiership this time uh, on Monday. <laughs> I wonder how that went. Um, Reese, we'll, we'll have to move on to the second leg then or we'll be, we'll be here all day. Um, an unchanged starting 11, I don't think that was a surprise. Were you happy with that? And what do you think our approach was in the first half? I think Ross County started the better team. Do you think we did change our approach? I know we didn't change any personnel, but... What did you make of the, the team and how we started the game on Sunday? 
Aye, no questions asked about the team. I knew that would be the team, barring any sort of illness or injury in the like training session. So, I no surprises at all. Do I think we changed things? I, I wouldn't say so, but I thought that Ross County they actually did come and go for it. Like I, I expected, obviously, Air United to have a right good go at it in the other games, and I know, of course, they they sort of went with intent to attack the game, but I don't think they actually ever put us under much pressure I think County started the game right on top and they were, they were firing in balls at head height from minute one and it was a nervy first 10 minutes I remember I think it was probably the, the, within the first minute of the game Mitchell sort of came for a for a ball that was sort of going out for a goal kick and he, he sort of I can't, I can't quite remember it was he sort of flapped at it and they almost got in and within the first minute and that 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 was a, a sign of things to come I remember looking at my mates thinking Right, just get get through 10 minutes here and, and reassess every 10 minutes and it's one of those games I was actually glad there wasn't a sort of a timer on any of the stands you know how you go to Rugby Park and it tells you what minute you're in or like Dens Park I'm glad there was no sort of clock in, in Dingwall yesterday because my eyes wouldn't have been off it but I because I I, as I say I don't think our approach differed at all I just think that County had a right good go from the, from the get go Um Obviously, we got a goal just before half time, and at that point, you're thinking, right, we're in, we're in dreamland here. But the, the VAR decisions, I think, killed us. I think, when do you ever see the referee get sent to sent to the monitor? Like he's been sent to the monitor on the advice of another referee, saying, right, looks like a penalty. It's up to you to go and give it. Basically, go and decide if you want to give that penalty. You only get sent there because it, it is basically a penalty. And I was having a joke with you guys in the chat. Like obviously, Nick Walsh is my teacher at school, and I was like, oh, he'll give us a soft penalty. And I actually cannot believe, I cannot believe that he didn't give that penalty. Try to make it all about him. And I don't want to end up sitting here with a tinfoil hat and say stuff, but honestly, the penalty they get, and then to give us, to give them a red card and rescind it, I just felt like every decision went against us. Even like 50-50s and like handballs when it's bouncing up and hitting the player on the fire and hitting the everything went against us yesterday. And, Absolutely. I'm still sick. I'm sick to the back teeth. I'm sick talking about it. And you, you guys all feel the same. We're all hurting. And hey, I'll leave it here for just now. I'll let someone else come in, but uh, sick. No, that's that's fine. We will have a chat about the, the decisions because I, th- I think the ref did have a bad day. I don't think that was the main reason. I think it was one of the reasons, but I think he did have a bad day. We'll speak about that. Um, Jamie, why do you think it, it went like it did? Why do you think we collapsed? Why do you think... We couldn't see it a, th- a three-goal lead out with 20 minutes to go. I mean, there's a host of reasons. Like I've said, decisions did go against us, I think, the VAR decisions. I think that dog to one was a penalty, and we didn't get it. Their penalty, you could say, I mean, Brian does hit Graham's arm. You could also say Graham was potentially fouled during that, but in the red card game was in. It did feel like, and there was also the possible offside check as well for their goal. Fair enough, that that's the one that if it wasn't offside, it wasn't offside, whatever. It's not contentious, but just felt like everything was going against us yesterday. And then I think the, the biggest thing that killed us was, it's kind of obvious to say, but conceding twice in the space of two minutes. If we hadn't conceded that second goal straight away, I think we would have seen, seen it out, to be honest. Because if we just had a period, I think was it was like 15 minutes left or something like that, or maybe like just under 20, if we had a period of 10 minutes of just keeping possession and soaking up any of their pressure, I think we would have seen it out, to be honest. And yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm kind of lost for words. I keep it hasn't really sunk in that it's actually happened yet. It almost feels like we still have something left to play, and we don't. This over, and yeah, it's pretty hard to take that to be honest. And the second goal was the one I was most frustrated about, but the second and the third, are just it's just poor defending. Man on mark in the middle of the box twice. So yeah, 
there's really not much left to say. I think I want to speak about about us before the refereeing decisions. I think this is maybe nitpicking a little bit, but the the lengthy delay with the penalty, and then we made the sub of bringing Bannigan on for Fitzpatrick. Now I think Fitzpatrick was injured, and that's why the sub was made. But I th- <laughs> making that sub right after the goal. And then you see how bedraggled we are from kickoff. Their second goal comes from our kickoff. We play a bad pass out to Holt and he's, he's scrambling to keep it in and they get a throw in and they score from it. And that's seconds. And it just feels like we needed to just calm down. We needed players in positions where they knew they were. And it was almost like the, the rejig of the team happened at an exact inopportune moment where County had their tails up. And it's it's nitpicking and it's so harsh just to, to say that the sub was made just at the wrong time. But I think it was. I think if we just waited a minute, just calmed down after the goals, I think like rejigging the midfield, moving Turner about, bringing Bannigan on. I think Tiffany had to swap position as well. Just sort of shook us up just when we didn't need shaking up. And I think that's where the second goal comes from because it's, it's a complete mess from kickoff. Like, I don't know what happens from kickoff. It's just really, really bad. And obviously the third goal is quite similar in the sense where we've, we've conceded from an overload at the back post and the third goal is actually a really good finish from the Ross County player. But there was, I mean, Muirhead and Brown, I think, have been excellent during the playoffs. And I thought they were good in the first half yesterday. They stood up to a lot of the, the sort of set pieces that County threw at them, but they, they were a couple of bad ones, I think, for the, the second and third goals. Heather, what about you? Where do you think it went wrong? One thing that um, I've spoken about with a few people who have, when I've tried to talk about the game, um, has been the fact that I, that I think that we were beaten in the middle of the park yesterday. Uh, I feel like we didn't have the same control and we didn't have the ability to slow things down. I think we played a lot of that game at their pace and they dictated a lot of it rather than what's happened in previous weeks with with us controlling what's happening. I, I, I agree with Jamie the fact that we conceded so quickly it's a hor- it's a horrible time to lose a goal. I talked about this in this podcast before, you know, sometimes we played too much football. We were too snazzy and classy and I know that's the way that we want to play, but sometimes I just wanted us to boot the ball out of the park, out of danger. And I just felt at times the decision making just overall across the pitch just wasn't just just wasn't there. But yeah, I did think that we struggled in possession and being able to, you know, just take any sort of command or any sting out of the game. I also thought, and I is it Samuel, the guy who looks like Jason Cummings? I thought he played very well. And obviously they came with quite an attacking thing. They they read the situation of the fact that Dan Burnley and Aaron Muirhead, well, being able to, you know, header a lot, maybe aren't so skillful with their feet. And I think they just that played into it. It just I think also when you concede like that, the momentum that they built, if if they, everything was on, everything was there, everything was theirs, and I just felt that we began in the kind of last few, like the last ten minutes or so, things that were fifty fifties suddenly just became Ross County's ball, and it was it was just it was just hard to watch. Yeah, it's hard yeah. to relive. <laughs> I agree with you about the the sort of poor decision making that we made. I think sort of nerves come into that obviously that's natural I don't think you can criticise players for that I actually thought in terms of what you were talking about playing too much football I thought we were at our best when we did try and play football and didn't hoof it up the park or hoof it out the pitch I thought when we got the ball down and played and we were bringing Lawless and Tiffany into the game and McMillan as well 
I thought that's when we looked almost threatening and I, I was actually sort of wanting us to do more of that. I agree with you there, Matt. Like, I think we did obviously look clinical. I think there was just certain times under certain bits of pressure yeah. where we lost the ball in certain situations. Like, I don't know, I hate singling out people, but like, there just seemed to be times when Ross Doherty just got it all mixed up in his feet. The Tiff gave away possession in just some really clinical areas. And I just thought at this point, I just want you to hit it. Yeah, I, I think actually Ross County probably do deserve credit. Um, you talk about Doherty losing the ball. I think that's one of the, the games I've noticed this season where we've actually been pressed really, really high up the pitch. It doesn't happen too often, but our centre-backs were being pressed, Doherty was being pressed, and when we were playing balls into Doherty's feet was back to goal, he couldn't turn on it. And that's normally how we get out, I would say. But he couldn't turn on it, and Ross County were on us. And that's, I think, a, sort of big, a big factor in the game and that we weren't really allowed to play the football we wanted for the whole 90 minutes. We had spells, but we, we couldn't do it for the, the whole 90 minutes. I think a lot of that was down to County's pressure on physicality. The the interesting thing I, I thought about it was that we had kind of talked all the way through the playoffs about we've got nothing to lose. No one's ever done this before. First team from, from fourth to the final. You know, if we lose, then, you know, we've still went further than anyone else in this position has done. All the pressures in Ross County, they're flapping and all that. You know, they're living, they're fighting for their lives. The pressure's all on them. And then it went to 3-0 in aggregate. And then suddenly Ross County had nothing to lose because they'd already went through the worst of it. They were all they were gone. I think there was at least three times watching the game yesterday on TV and um, at Farhill on Thursday when I was like, they're done. That's it. It's over. We, we're going up. I mean, I, I was seeing messages from people, you know, at halftime talking about how, you know, they were talking to people and everyone was just in such, such a jubilant mood. We, we thought we'd done it. And like, we did. We we had done it. It, it was all done. And then Ross County clearly went at go, like, we might as well just throw everything at it. If we don't, we're fucked. What, what's, the, what's the worst that can happen by doing it? And then suddenly when they threw it a bit as we were, and then scored the first one, we were like, all right, okay. Then immediately got the second, and then it flipped. And then suddenly all the pressure on us, on us they had nothing to lose because they were gone already. They bring it back. And they presses, they, they basically done what we've done to, to other teams for for the playoffs and stuff like that. We, we basically got out fizzled. And then by the end, we we just seemed to revert to sort of prime 17-18 relegation archie ball, long balling up the part. I was, oh my God. And I, yeah, it was, it was not great. Um, and yeah, it was, I'm going to make a controversial take here uh, when I say this. Obviously, it hurts. It's the, probably the most painful moment of my... Well, it is the most painful moment of my official fandom. I've not quite got over it. It is heavy funny, though. It is really, really funny. No, you really can't be funny. bringing that in here, David. No, it is really, really, really funny how no. bad... We we will laugh about this on a Halloween pod. I know, about ten years, years, David. It's the next day. That's far too so It's not it's, funny. It's, it is funny. As as come on, you, yeah, you know. I will never laugh about this. I don't even laugh about that free free draw at Hamilton in 2014-15 that we conceded <laughs> in stoppage time. Get a cut, Jamie. So I will not cut. be laughing about that. David, no, you uh, weren't there. You weren't in Dingwall, right? So you you did not live the same experiences as that, us. That's absolutely funny. fair. Right, um, it but, wasn't uh, funny. Take right. that out of here. Okay. Right, we're going to go into the VAR decisions, and Heather, I'll come to you on the VAR decisions because. Uh, 
as a teacher, I would hope you're the most fair and level-headed of us. So the dock penalty incident, the Graham handball and the Keith Watson red cards, um, what, what were your takes on those three? For me, if theirs is a penalty, ours is a penalty. If ours isn't a penalty, theirs isn't a penalty. And I'm going to steal, I don't know if this was on one of the forums or if it was on Twitter, but someone said about the fact that VAR was brought in for clear and obvious errors. The fact that, the the way that my brother put it, he had he watched like the Brian Graham thing from like 120 different angles. So surely that's not clear and obvious. For me, I think the dock one, I mean, I'd probably in some ways be angry if that was a penalty that we conceded and I could see both sides. But I do still stand by the fact that if if we if we get ours, they can have theirs. But the fact that we didn't, that seems quite harsh. I also feel that from watching it back, I have to say through like I, I had my hands over my eyes and like I just slightly watch it because I just didn't want to emotionally hurt myself anymore today but I felt that he was in a really good position to get that wrong so that that baffles me um but then I'm not really baffled by him uh I think he's a shocking referee though my friend my friend Alfie asked me to say on this podcast that I thought um Nick Walsh was man of the match today so I've officially refused to do that for the red card I must say that that was when I went to I was standing like in the second row and we had the sun all day. Now I am, for those of you who've never seen me before, I have auburn hair. So I, well, basically I have ginger hair and um, I should not be in the sun that long. And I just came over all shaky at that point and like obviously just was dehydrated and nervous and whatever. So I actually went down to the pie stall and had water and all I heard was this like massive shout and I thought I'd missed a goal. But turns out it was that. So I've just watched it. And I actually have to, do have to say, Thank you to the Ross County staff if they ever listened to this because they were very, very kind and gave me a cold cloth for my forehead. So shout out to them for understanding what it's like to be ginger in the sun. I thought watching it back, I did agree that it wasn't a red card. That's me being fair to him in some ways. But I do stand by the fact that if you're gonna give what if you're gonna give one, you give both. I think you've basically nailed it on the head. I think what frustrates me is VAR getting involved. We don't really know why it get What's the threshold? I think if those decisions are just the penalty decisions, so Doherty doesn't get a penalty and Ross County get the penalty for handball, right? So if those decisions are made by a referee on the day, I think that's quite easy to accept. I think if the referee gives neither of them, as he did yesterday, and then is referred to the screen for both and only gives one, I, I think that's bizarre. I think they're sort of in, they're obviously different offences, a handball and a trip, but in terms of the threshold of how foully they are, if that's like a phrase, I think they're sort of quite similar. So to sort of overrule yourself on one and not the other, it just doesn't sit right with me, I don't think. On the red card as well, like I think it's quite similar. Was it Carson that got sent off for Inverness a couple of months ago? And it's one of those fouls where it's sort of a fine line between a yellow and a red. And a lot of people, I think, were saying, oh, he's not denying a goal-scoring opportunity. I think the ref has probably sent him off for serious foul play because it's a lunge at Tiffany. And I think one of the, I think it was sports scene when the commentator said, oh, he couldn't really injure Tiffany there. He's lunged at him with his studs. Like, he, he could have injured him. And again, it's one of those where it sort of could be a yellow, could be a red. He's gone for a red. And I don't really know what the threshold is to overturn that, to be honest. Like, 
it, it, it's sort of those orange card incidents, but I, I don't think it's like a clear and obvious red card to overturn for not being serious foul play. And I think that's where the frustration is. Like, what's the threshold for VAR to, to intervene? Like, we don't know. And that's the frustrating thing. And if, again, if all the decisions were made by an on-field referee, I think it would be easier to accept. But I think that's the lack of transparency and, and VAR getting involved for some and not for others is, is very frustrating. And I, again, I should say Nick Walsh has been referred to VAR for all of them. So he, he does, I think he deserves the criticism for for the decisions he's made, because I think whoever was on the VAR has at least been consistent in referring Nick Walsh to the screen for all of them. So, yeah, very frustrated with that, I think. But again, I'll say it's not the the sole reason we we didn't do it. Jamie? No, I agree. It's not the sole reason either. But on the red cards, I think think that can easily get given as a red card. you could argue he's not last man because there's someone ahead of him, but he's got a really open pass. Jeff's got a really open pass to Lawless, who would have been one-on-one, or he can just drive himself. And It's a huge, huge chance. And he's, I can't even remember the name of the Ross County player, their captain, whoever it was, has made absolutely zero attempt to go up the ball. He's done that to bring down Tiffany because he knows he's away from him and he knows it's a huge chance and we could score from it. And it's a dreadful tackle as well. And but see, the second it went to VAR, I knew it was getting overturned. The player didn't even leave the pitch, and the fact that he was just staying on, I was like, "They're just—it's not going to happen." I could just—I could just tell he was going to overturn it. Nothing went our way, and I'm not single-handedly blaming the ref because we collapsed yesterday as well. It is on us, but I think Nick Walsh is a terrible referee. Every single time he's refereed a festival game, I've always thought he was bad. And I remember him—I remember Archie was a bit of a big critic of him back in the day when he refed in the Premiership occasionally. And, yeah, I just, I just think he's a terrible referee. Reese. Yeah, just echoing the sentiments that all you guys have said. But just for me, I, I think the, the refereeing decisions changed the game. Like, of course, it's not the reason that we went down. The reason we went down, well, sorry, we didn't go down. The reason we didn't go up is because we collapsed. But the collapse all starts when they get that penalty. I, and I'll, I'll be honest, I've not watched their penalty back. I've not watched any of the highlights of the game back. How can, see for it, it took about six, eight minutes or something, <laughs> something wild anyway. It felt like about, it felt like it took 20 minutes before Nick Walsh even went to the monitor to review Brian Graham's handball or whatever it was. Before he'd even looked at it, they sat and, they sat and like must have discussed it for about five, six, seven minutes before he went to the monitor. So how can it be a clear and obvious error? Uh, it's beyond me and then for the fact that it gives it and that's what gets them back in the game and obviously they score right after it and we just go and collapse if they don't if, if VAR isn't a thing we're a premiership club today if VAR wasn't in, in that game it's, it's you'll eat yourself alive thinking about all this stuff and, and I know we all are we're stewing over it and it's, it's a horrible feeling but I, I just I, Nick Walsh is like that he's, he's so card happy he loves for the, the, the attention to be on him and he'll probably think oh, that's brilliant I've I've had a saying that my my referee and I've I've stood strong and not crumbled to VAR and stuff and an absolute tragedy a guy. <laughs> see, see what I think is the worst bit of refereeing yesterday, Reese, and you, you're right. Wallace was rugby tackled when he were on a counter attack. He waved play on. I think their left back had like three fouls, persistent fouling. Jordan White had like four fouls, and then Docherty first foul, and it was like deep in their half, and he booked him and. Uh, that that made me get up off my seat like that for me was the better refereeing that, that got in my nerves yesterday. 
it, it's good to know that we're really handling this defeat in a really sensible manner and not just turning into super scoreboards and going through every insane VAR decision and detailing the conspiracy held against our club. I, I, I hope I, I hope all the people who hate listening to this um, really enjoy it and um, remember to like and subscribe. No, I like I know you're sort of saying super scoreboard there, David. I don't think there's like any conspiracy or anything. I, I just think the referees are like really, really bad. And you see that like every week, like something like we've spoke about decisions basically all season, like just bizarre, bizarre decisions, controller matches and stuff, and I just think this and VAR's not helping. I think VAR's confusing the referees as well, but it's it's, it's not a con- for anyone that's going to tweet us and say, oh, you're more the anti-thistle conspiracy, is not a conspiracy. The referees are just dreadful. Right, the penalty shootout then. Um, again, I'm, I'm nitpicking here. I'll, um, Chris Dillon said that the a penalty shootout was a lottery. I hate it when managers say that. Uh, that the two things I've said about Chris Dillon will be the only time we'll ever hear me criticise Chris Dillon. I hate it when managers say penalties are a lottery. Uh, David, could we have done anything different for the penalty shootout, do you think? Uh, well, first of all, one thing we could have done different is I could have not included in a line in the Ramson's Cup final special at the end of going, you know what they say about penalties? It's a lottery, isn't it? Um, in hindsight, that doesn't that doesn't feel great and know that it's probably wound up. But um, I mean, we had three defenders and two defensive midfielders to kicks. Is that right? I mean, like Tiff didn't take one. I mean, Tiff, I mean, Tiff's Achilles heel has always been sort of his finishing. But I think... I mean, Bannigan. Bannigan and Doherty. Has Doherty ever taken a penalty for us? Saying two, I think. And he scored one in the Kamara shootout, but he missed one in the Queen of the South shootout in League One, I think. Yeah, like, I, I don't know. It's just really weird that it went to Bannigan and Doherty. I mean, Bannigan, we, we had, like, an internal crisis as a club for however many weeks about Stuart Bannigan has missed, like, two or three in the bounds. Should we get rid of him from penalties? No, we'll just stick him in a, a, a sudden death penalty shootout. I don't know. It did. It did feel a bit like the the Challenge Cup final of people maybe taking them when there was better options on the bench. Who was it that didn't take one? Obviously, Graham took one. Danny, Danny Mullen didn't take one. Striker, he didn't take one. I always feel that if you're a striker. You take one, even if you're not that great at penalties. You're a striker. You understand how to score a goal. Like. It's do, do you know what I mean? Like, at the very and at the very least, if you are if you're Danny Mullen, who let let's be honest, has not had the most glowing of goal tallies. He's done all right, like, but you know, it, if somebody gave you an opportunity to go and take a penalty, surely you would take take it, like, or or you would you just like, the, the fucking defenders or. Our central defensive midfielders take them instead. Like, I mean, if I'm Danny Mullen, I'm taking it before Banzo. I, I, or or I'll say yesterday as well. I wish Lawless was on for the shootout because he's someone I'd trust taking a penalty. He's got a pretty good penalty record as far as my way. He scored Ibrox from a penalty. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So, I don't know. It's always one of those things about penalty shootouts of, you know, it's who wants to take one. And in that sort of situation, it's one of those things where it's like the people who, who step up. Are they the best person for the job? Is there people who maybe don't have the confidence? I mean, fair play to Banzo and Doc for you know for stepping up and taking the penalties. 
know at that time because again Mullins should have been taken before but they, 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 they volunteered and went and done it fair play but realistically if you're a striker you need to be one of the first ones taking the penalty because yeah I don't know it was when when we missed and they missed like you just thought right okay we've got away with this one and then we missed again and then they scored and it's just yeah Reese Jackman aye so uh, just a, a couple of things with, with the penalty shootout that, that bothered me. So the, the guys all stepped up, like you say, a, a few defenders and a few defensive-minded midfielders. Everybody that stepped up, bar, in fact, did Kel Turner took one and scored, right? So bar Kel Turner, I don't think any of those penalty takers stepped up wanting to place that ball. I know obviously McMillan's went right in the top corner and it was an absolutely brilliant penalty. But every one of them that stepped up, I'm thinking, right, he's leathering this and he's not picking a corner. He's just trying to smash this past the goalie. And I always feel like a keeper's got a good chance at saving it. If he dives the right way, you can save one that they leather it. Whereas County are putting up Yan Danda and he's sticking him top corner and stuff. Like They had technical penalty takers. We had guys who are just, right, I'll leather this as hard as I can and just hit the target. And it's not always a bad thing, but in a penalty shootout, I think a keeper's got a good chance at saving him. Another thing that, that bothered me on the, sh- the shootout is, like, and if you want to go and listen to the, the podcast that came out the other day about the 2013 and listen to Lee Robinson, the penalty yeah. shootout was all about the goalie. The, Ross Laidlaw, from the first penalty, he smashed the bar about five times. He looked seven foot tall, whereas Mitchell stood in his line and I think he pointed one way once. Like, Mitchell... Mitchell looked tiny in that goal, whereas Laidlaw was looking like he took up the full goal. I remember when when Holt stepped up, I'm thinking Holt reverses every penalty he's ever taken for us, bar one that hit the bar. And he's, he actually said in an interview, I don't know how daft he could have been against Josh Ray, he said, I, I thought Ray would have saved my penalty because at Queen of the South we trained with each other and I reverse everyone. How daft can you be? A, a goal he's going to do is research and I just remember thinking that like he's just going to learn this and Laidlaw looked huge, made himself a nuisance at the penalties. I think Nick Walsh told him off as well. And I, I don't, I obviously, I didn't see it on TV or anything, but it didn't look like Mitchell done anything to put the, the penalty takers off. So that that's another disappointing thing. I don't think that we, we used any advantages or anything. So there's, there's a lot of things I could go on and on about, but it's just it was disappointing and to, to, to ultimately fail at penalties and the last kick of the whole entire football calendar. You know, the media team would have had sort of graphics ready to post. We are going up. The team would have had T-shirts and stuff probably in the changing room. We are going up T-shirts. Like, all that stuff just gets absolutely binned. And we, we never get to have this day out. Now, I remember on the way up on the bus, like, older guys were talking about that day at Dundee United and how you couldn't imagine a worse day. And uh, it ultimately happened for us. And it's, it's absolutely tragic, even, even thinking about that shootout just now. that It summed up our whole season. We had umpteen chances. We had reprieve after reprieve. They missed two that would have won them the game. And we, we still miss you. You miss three penalties in a penalty shootout. You don't deserve it. Doherty's penalty was, was tragic. Absolute P-roller. And if that's the that could ultimately be his last action as, as Fissel captain. It's a, it's a sad way for him to go out. Sad way for potentially Kevin Holt to be away. And for Banzo, I, just, I feel like we rushed him back with the miss and the, the penalty miss. He'll... He'll be hurting as much as the fans, and it's one of the ones. I, I, a, this podcast is it's a tough one to take, but it's a it's a long, long summer. I, I can't criticise anyone that steps up and takes a penalty, and that pressure I think is such a hard thing to do. The penalties weren't great. I, I'm I'm not 
mad upset about the order of the takers either. Like, surprise, Danny Mullen doesn't want to take one, but if he doesn't want to take one, he doesn't want to take one. Fair play to the guys that stepped up, like Muirhead and Holt, and they've taken penalties throughout their career, so it's Banzo. I, I totally agree with you, Reese, on, on the goalkeeper. Like, if you listen to Lee Robinson, and you think of, like, Martinez at the World Cup as well, that's how penalty shootouts are won. You've, you've got to get in the striker's head, and like you said, he looks so small compared to Laidlaw. I did a, sort of, a little thread on Twitter about a month ago, I think it was after the Queen's Park first, first leg, and I just said, I, I think we should stick with Mitchell to the end of the season, but if, if any of the ties go to penalties, Sneddon's penalty record, he has saved twice as many penalties as David Mitchell in terms of like the percentage of, of penalties saved. So that's a, a goalkeeper on the bench that saved twice as many. And I'm, I'm like, I think if Dylan made that sub, that would have been a bold sub for like a rookie manager to make, and you sort of are then putting a bit of pressure on your goalkeeper. But that's why I hate it when they say penalties are a lottery. And I think you heard Archie on that 2013 pod as well. I know we're doing a great job of plugging that 2013 pod, but he said um, we didn't. We, he didn't think we were prepared enough for the, the final. Like, and I sort of read into that maybe we didn't practice penalties. And I think were we practicing penalties because, as you say, his Doherty's wasn't great. Holt's not mixed up. Banzo didn't look like he knew what he was doing until he kicked the ball. It was a stuttered run up. So maybe that's something else to look at. I think that's where I'm more disappointed that there wasn't like a commitment out with maybe McMillan and obviously Holt who hasn't mixed it up about where the penalties were going. And again, um, yeah, Mitchell didn't make himself big enough. He didn't get in strikers' heads. Um, I, I think that's where I feel a bit disappointed, David. I, I I have to agree with you about you know the preparation and stuff like that. Like surely it's not it's not going to go to penalties. However. Maybe one day, just have a day of penalties. Get Thomas Cherney down from Aberdeen and go. <laughs> how, show, show them how to be ultimate shithouses. Do everything in your pocket, just, just in case, if it goes to penalties. Maybe they did. Like, maybe they did, and we're, like, I would, lo- I would love to hear it, like, if they did. Maybe they did, and we are sort of being I, harsh. I would it's, ag- a, it's a massive pressure situation. Maybe we are being harsh, but it just didn't look, none of it looked good. I would agree about Mitchell, though. I, I just I felt that he felt very unthreatening in the shootout. Um, I don't think he'd done much to kind of dissuade the players, you know, any smoke and mirrors or it, nothing like that. I just kind of felt like, all right, no, just need to dive the right way, save the penalty. Um, I, I, I agree about, about like Sned and stuff. Like, I mean, we've, we've talked a lot about how, you know, in our official fandom, maybe Cherney. When Cherney was in, you kind of thought, You've got a better chance of saving it than putting it in. And since since then, we've not really had too many, many keepers where um, where you go, right, he can save a penalty. You're comfortable. Sneddon is the closest we got to that. But as you say, if you're bringing off, I, I mean, if you're Jamie Sneddon and you get pulled on after what, however many weeks not playing again, going, right, that's you, you're on, you need to save us from this mess, do this penalty shootout. That's an incredible way to put in him. He might be leaving. So, you know, then you've got David Mitchell, who you did not have the confidence in, you know, to be between the sticks of the penalty shootout. It is a bit of a mess, to be honest, psychologically, for the keepers to do that sort of thing. But it can work. Do you know what I mean? It can work. No, I agree, David. Like, I think it would have been such a bold call to do it. I think if you're going to do it, you would have a discussion with the goalkeepers at the very start of the playoff and you just say, David Mitchell, like you're the number one goalkeeper. But if it goes to penalties, Sneddon's more specialised in that area, so we're going for him. But I, like, that's not the reason. I don't think that's the reason we lost. I think if Mitchell's in goals, I think he does need to make himself bigger, get in the strikers' heads. 
Lee Robinson, Emiliano Martinez, do that sort of shenanigan. And it's we still might have lost, but we're nitpicking. I think we're it's still raw, we're nitpicking. We're trying to find ways of <laughs> which we would have won. Uh, it shouldn't have went to penalties in the first place, let's be honest. Um, Heather, do you want to come in? Yeah, I just wanted to say that I think the the minute that the penalties were at the other end and then Holt missing, who normally, I know obviously he had that one which crashed off the bar earlier this season, but with Holt missing, I think that just changed the full mentality. I just felt like the whole time we were just chasing our tail. It was just a it was just a, a rubbish watch and I agree with Reese that the confidence level just wasn't there. And I think personally that see if we not had the 2-0 advantage, and this is like so nitpicky, but See if if it had been like a kind of two two draw on the day at Dingwall and it went into extra time then penalties, I think we had more of a chance. I think the fact that we had lost that game in in such a way, I felt like the the, the level was just low and the all the momentum was of them. But this is just sad and I just don't really want to talk about it anymore. ahead to next season then Heather and EP has asked if you could guarantee oh, one of our uh, <laughs> that's a good question if you could guarantee one of our out of contract players stays on for next season who would it be and why so out of contract I think we've got uh, Jamie Sneddon, Aaron Muirhead, Kyle Turner, Scott Tiffany um, I think I've missed a Cammy Smith maybe Heather um, I've, I've probably missed one or two uh, Darren Brownlee as well so Heather if you could pick one of them guarantee keep one of them, who would you pick and why? Um, I think for me, Kyle Turner, uh, just from, re- you know, the recent form that he's been in, the way that he's been able to create such a free-flowing, exciting vision at Thistle, he's been one of the standouts on, what, what was it that Morton fan called us, uh, the the BBC darlings, the media darling, that was it. And I think Kyle Turner's been the poster boy of that. Um. I I feel like to be honest, picking him, I feel he's one of the first ones that might be away, and that's like he's a he's a young guy who's played well. He deserves to go and show that talent maybe elsewhere, but he'd be the one I'd like to keep for now. Yeah, I forgot Kevin Holt on that list as well, and I think Danny Mullins out of contract as well. Um, I'll just oh gosh, I didn't Holt. Oh. Yeah, no, sorry, that was my fault. I forgot about Holt as well. I think we've just sort of written him off as leaving. And um, we should say we're recording this on Monday, about 24 hours after the game. So, um, hopefully by the time you've listened, the club haven't released the the retained released statement. Um, they'll probably release that about half an hour after we finish, which is typical. But um, I'll come around to all of you just quickly to ask if you could keep one of those. Who would you keep, uh, Jamie? It's tough, and I should be realistic about it. I'm kind of resigned. Hope seems to be away as in that chat. He's got a Cyprus for ages. Turner, I think, will be away as well. I think the only one we have a small chance of keeping is Tiffany, so I'm just going to say tough. I'll second you on that, Jamie. I think he, he can be a massive difference maker. I'd love us to keep Tiffany. Entertainment value as well. Um, Reese, if you could pick one, who would you keep? Oh, this is a really tough question. Um, so many players, like you, you'll hear in the 
and then the season review that we've just done, like, I was kind of raving about Ross Duckett and I think he'll be a massive miss. I, I do think that Duckett is the best midfielder in the division. His sort of underlying stats are really good in sort of all departments and I think he'll be tough to replace. You know what, I'll just say Ross Duckett just because no one else has mentioned him yet, um, but of course I'd take, take every one of them to be staying. I apologise, I forgot. <laughs> we've, it turns out we've got more out of contact players than I thought this round started rhyming them off. Uh, David? God. Um, it's it, it's really tough. I feel that Kyle Turner, give, given an opportunity, you can build a team around him. And I think that he's the sort of man that Dylan could work wonders with. But And it's mental to think, if, you, if we rewinded it back to last year to the, like the last episode of last year and we were talking about how now a season later we would be considering other players ahead of Scott Tiffany as a guaranteed keep it's quite mental I would probably go Turner but I, I get I think much about yourselves I'm resigned to Holt leaving I, I didn't even think about him being a stake as we've just resigned to the fact that he, he is away but I think in terms of the most potential, I feel that Kyle Turner is probably it. And he's probably the one that's going to be hardest to keep outside of outside of Holt, obviously. Right, we'll rattle through so many other business now. Um, David, I was trying to, you're a, a very positive person. I know we're, we try to be a positive podcast. Uh, we're nearly an hour in. It's probably not been the most positive. Um, but I've written, written down all the positives I could think about. Of for not winning yesterday's tie, I've got I've, I've got three. So you've got to tell me what one is the the biggest positive, and if you've got any positives of your own. So positives, we get to visit our broth twice next season. For me, I mean, the, the you, don't even, <laughs> <laughs> you don't even do it. Um, carry on. No, number two, we do not have to visit or have the old firm visit us at any point next season. You know. It's probably the worst bit about being in the Premiership. And then uh, number three, we'll, we'll again be in a league without VAR next season. Um, so they were the three positives I came up with. Um, do you have any more? And I assume our growth is the, the big plus. Um, mm-hmm. I'll take it, that as a no. I'll take that well, as a no. Well, I think, <laughs> probably, a better, better, it's probably just better away days across the board. I mean, we've lost Hamilton and Cove and gained in Fermland, and we won't talk about what other team we've, we've gone, because that's not a better away day. It's better than Cove. So, um, you know, we swapped Hamilton for Dunfermline and Cove for Airdrie. Um, and Dundee United for, oh, I suppose it's literally in the same <laughs> same road, isn't it? So we, we've literally not swapped. So I'd probably say a better away days, but yeah, our bro, I mean, I, I just love to dance, Matt. I, I just want to come back. I, I just want to go to Pleasureland. I might go this week just to make <laughs> my, cheer myself up. I'm not going to lie. Hello. Just to say, when you mentioned Dunfermline, that yeah, that the one what, what one small great positive is the fact that I've got I literally live like five minutes from East End Park, so I've got I've got a Hev Holloway. Uh, I guess it's like a home a home game for me, so I'm quite excited about that compared to my usual like having to drive and the chaos of that. Another positive I have is the fact that I don't have a crystal and tattoo and not having to book in a crystal and tattoo oh, this summer so as as much as this has been painful that is maybe, maybe i have had to escape the pain of the pain of that 
I, I will say that probably the biggest positive is um, Gaff at Heather Holloway's when we played them firm on the way. to say, beer garden out the back. <laughs> well, yeah, no, you Great. and Carlson's already asked me to send a photo of my back garden. <laughs> my co- my cottage back garden it actually is quite Munns-esque. Right, last thing before we move on to the, the last two segments, the predictions. If you listen back to episode 94 of the podcast, we each answer 10 questions. Um, which were worth a total of 25 points. And then we've tallied this up with the, the match score predictions that we did on a weekly basis. The match score prediction table finished with Reese and David on 30 points. Jamie had 28 points and I had 26 points. So there were 25 points up for grabs. I'll rattle through these questions very quickly. The first one was, would we play over 9.5 games in the Cup? We did that. The second one was, would we have over 4.5 January signings? We did not do that. Competitive clean sheets was 16.5. We did have, I think we finished with 17 clean sheets in the end. Then we had a question about managers in the championship managing both the first and last game. And we set that at 4.5. I think seven managed the first and last games this season. Then we total points against Queen's Park, Morton and our growth. And we set that at a very low 11.5. I'm glad to report we managed more than 11 points against those three teams this season. We then had... Banzo yellow cards and we set that at an over under of 3.5 and David, myself and you did not believe Stuart Bannigan would be yellow carded four times on Saturday report. He picked up 10 oh, yellow no. cards this season. <laughs> Everyone's shocked. I, can, I cannot believe I said no on that. I cannot. <laughs> what I, were we I, thinking? I mean, after, after, after yesterday, going, well, that, you know, I can't, I can't shit the bed any more than we did yesterday. Turns out we can. Oh my life. Um, we also had Kyle Turner assists and we set that at 9.5 he did have, I think he had 14 assists in the end we had Brian Graham goals we set that at 13.5 and he smashed that so well done to him then we had Stevie Lawless appearances in the crowd at Ibrox this season I think we set that at 2.5 and I do not believe we spotted at all so congratulations for him to him for going incognito this season he'd only been twice this year he confirmed his interview he'd only been to Ibrox twice this season I think one so, of them was our cup game as well so exactly well yeah. done to him and then lastly we had our league position and we set that at 2.5 and sadly we, we finished fourth um, so to add the points onto that I made eight extra points so I finished on, on 34 Jamie made 15 more points, so he finished on 43. David made 15 more points as well, so he finished on 45. And Reese Haldane, I believe for the second season in a row, the predictions, the predictions champion, 20 extra points, so he finished on 50. Reese, congratulations to you. Thank you. Thanks very much. A uh, no, bit of consolation today. Um, no, I'm not going to go out and celebrate that, but I, I'm, I'm happy nevertheless. <laughs> How does it feel to do the double? <laughs> Quiz and predictions oh. champion. Aye. I'm aiming for the treble next year, mate. <laughs> I think as one of our survey respondents said, Reese Haldane knows ball. So Aye. there we go. Uh, Heather will include you in this predictions table uh, next season and a couple of other contributors as well. And I, I will try my best to keep a, a more up-to-date league table. I know we have people messaging us to, to find out what the tally is and they're keeping score at home so next season promise we'll do better we'll, we'll update the twitters and the facebooks on a weekly basis next season anyway we've got a couple of segments now Reese jamie the three of us are going to look at the 22 players who managed 10 or more appearances for part of this season give a little mini review of their season score them out of 10 discuss whether they should or will be here next season or not jamie i'll kick off with you jamie snedden 
thoughts on his season? Where will he be next season? Yeah, I think Sneddon's had a pretty decent season. Obviously, it's another kind of stop-start one for him. He was out of the team, then he was in the team, then he was out of the team again, and then he just was in the team again, but then he was out again after getting those injections and just never managed to dislodge Mitchell, which was fair enough. He couldn't really drop Mitchell with the form he was in. And I don't think Sneddon will be here next season. Every single season, we'd be like, oh, this will be his season. It's his chance to have a full season as number one. And he kind of got that last season. But I think he's probably, we've said it every year, will, will he have had enough? Will this be the summer? But I think this time, I think that's it. He's had, you know, three, four different managers and he's never been first choice under any of them permanently. So I wish him all the best. And I just think he's, it's probably best for him and does for him to move on at this point, to be honest. But I do wish him the best. And he has been a pretty decent goalkeeper for us overall. How would you rate the season out of 10? It's hard to give him a high rating because he's not been playing a huge amount, but maybe a six purely just because he didn't play enough to get any higher than that, in my opinion. But yeah, I don't know. He's not done anything wrong, really. I think that's fair. Uh, Reese, I'll talk about David Mitchell for a bit, but then I'll come back to you for a score on both the goalies. I think I think both goalies sort of score similarly this season. I think Mitchell obviously had a tough start and he did cost us a few points at the start of the season. I think he's been much better since he came back into the team around March time. I think he will be here next season because he's, he's contracted to next season. I would still be, have slight concerns if he was the number one goalkeeper next season. I'm still not totally convinced by him. I think that the errors against Queen's Park. I thought he looked nervy yesterday in, at Dingwall. I think he did a really good one-on-one save at the start of the second half, but I think he, he just looked nervy. Some of his kicking wasn't great. I think he struggles with crosses. I think that's the main thing for me. His command of his box isn't great. I think he hasn't, as I say, I think he has improved. Um, but I still would be a little bit concerned if he was the number one goalkeeper. So I'm happy to go sort of in between six and seven, I think, for, for both goalkeepers this season. I think they've been fine. Uh, Reese, do you want a word on the goalies? Uh, on And both the goalies, um, like Jamie says, it's hard to give Sneddon um, a, a great score as such because he's he's not really played an awful lot. But when he has been playing this season, I don't ever think that it was... He'd kind of almost removed a lot of the errors for his game because I know he was always prone to a mistake, but he hadn't had too many howlers this, this season. And of course, he had that 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 goal up in, in Cove. Um, but I'd, give, I'd probably give Sneddon a six. He didn't have a great season, didn't play a lot. I'd give Mitchell probably a seven point five. Just just fine margins. I don't I don't think, as you say, Mitchell was unreal either. It's, it's much of a muchness, but. Over the course, it looked like Mitchell got the nod. Definitely Dylan's first choice. And I, I do personally think that he's a lot better on the ball. I feel more comfortable when the ball gets played back to him. I think Sneddon sort of snatches and slices the ball a lot, whereas Mitchell's kicking. I know sometimes it might not be ideal, but more often than not, it was setting Tiffany away. Um, and actually, I think he ended up getting a couple of assists or pre-assists, as they would say. But I'd, I'd give Mitchell a 7.5 and Sneddon a 6 for the season. Reese, I'll stick with you then. Kevin Holt. I think I think Hope was brilliant this season, um, and he's been it was brilliant during the playoffs as well. He, like a lot was after him, he moved back to left back, and I know it's his natural position, so it wasn't a a huge adjustment. But I think it, it slotted him seamlessly after Harry Milne's absence, and I, we all thought that losing Harry Milne would have been absolutely tragic for this season. But Hope was was perfect. He, he loves getting forward and scoring goals. Unlucky not to get ten for the season actually. So. I think it was a high-scoring defender for umpteen years, so I'm probably going to give Kevin Holt an eight and a half, eight point five. 
I agree with that. I think we're going to talk about player of the year a bit later on. I think he'd be well in the discussion for me. And I think 8.5 is fair. I think he'd have probably got more if he didn't miss a, a couple of months in the, the sort of autumn winter time. I think he's, he'd have a brilliant season. I think we will miss him next season if he goes. Jamie, Harry Mill. I'm going to give Mill 7.5 purely because, you know what? No, I'll put 10 Mill was brilliant when he played. He'd definitely get higher than I'd be probably pushing a nine if he hadn't got injured. I'll give him an eight purely because he got injured and kind of missed the last quarter of the season, last third of the season. But he was brilliant when he did play. He scored quite a few goals. I think he notched five goals for the season. His tackling was brilliant. He went in for everything. And I remember that clearance off the line at home to Arbroath. One of the best I've seen that header he did. And yeah, he was just a great player. Great going forward. Great defensively. Huge part of the team. And I really, really do hope he's here next season. So yeah, I'll give him an eight. Would have been higher if he hadn't been injured. I'll boost him to an 8.5 then. I think similar to Holt, he'd have been well in the player of the year discussion. It's just the fact he's missed a couple of months that he's probably going to be edged out in that. So, yeah, very impressive for Harry. I hope we can keep on to him as contracted to next season. Uh, I'll do Darren Brownlee next. Um, I'm going to give Brownlee, I could say a 5.5, somewhere between a 5 and a 6. This is sort of a similar situation to Mitchell for me. I, I would, I'd probably keep Brownlee next season. I think he's, again, much improved in the second half of the the season. I don't think he was great in the first half of the season, but he, he did get up to speed. A couple of big errors in there, which really sort of overshadowed how well he was playing out with that. And I think I would keep him as a backup option. But again, I would be concerned if he was the first choice or the like a starting centre-back next season. I would like us to to improve in that area. So I'll go 5.5 for Darren Brownlee. Uh, Reese, a word on Brownlee from you, and then you can take us away with Adam Muirhead. Aye, so... Brownlee had a tough season. Um, he kind of found in the pecking order to start the season. He was coming back for that um, that injury. And it, towards the end of the season, during the playoffs, I think he was showing glimpses of the Brownlee that we knew before his injury from the League One season. And we'd seen at Queen of the South, I thought he was getting back to those sort of levels and the confidence was building around him. But like you say, he's also prone to a bit of an error. So if I'm, if I'm giving Brownlee a score, I'd probably say... <laughs> just he's not he's not had a seven and I, I don't think he's he's actually had a stinker either because he is he's looking like a decent championship centre half but I don't think he's he's got enough obviously to take us to the prem so I I'll give him a six point seven. We should we should have done this out of a hundred I think <laughs> we'll we'll reevaluate the scoring system next season. Uh, Jamie I'll come to you on Tunjiak and Ola next. Uh, oh I hate to say it but Akinola did not have a good season. He kind of picked up where he left off in the second half of last season when he was just not looking as confident. He didn't play an awful lot this season. You said 10 or more games. I couldn't even have told you he'd played 10 games, to be honest. But I'm going to give him a four. He just didn't have a good season. I think his last ever action for us was getting sent off for Morton. And I just wish it had gone differently for him. I love Dakinola. Seems like a great guy. And yeah, I just wish him the best for the, season, uh, the rest of his career. But this just was not his season. I think Akinola was actually subbed on for like minutes in a cup game to spare him from his last action being a red card at Morton, which which was good a good thing. But yeah, I should, they played the family game. I, I can't remember if it was one of the cup games. I think he came on for maybe, minutes. I yeah, I can't remember, yeah. but he, he definitely came on. But um, yeah, a, a sad end to, to what looked like a promising Thistle career from Akinola. Uh, Reese, I'll come back to you for Jack McMillan. Um, just before we go to McMillan, I, f- I think I forgot to mention Adam Muirhead. Um, Will I go back and talk about him? Of course, sorry, yeah. yeah go, um, for that. go double whammy. Uh, Muirhead, I'll probably, I'll probably give Adam Muirhead a seven. You know what? Like, 
when he came in, I, I thought he would be probably our our fourth choice, our fourth choice centre half. But he's kind of exceeded all expectations and probably been one of the first names on the team sheet. He's, he's shown his qualities and his leadership qualities. He's been pretty solid at the back. And, and yesterday, I actually thought he was pretty decent on the ball, which is, is not always expected from you. I think he was bringing it down a lot and try to play out, which which isn't really like him. But I give him a seven. Ah, he's, I'm, I'm actually pretty. I'd be pretty happy taking him into next season as well. Um, but hopefully we can we can strengthen at the back by I'd give him a seven and a, and a decent season. Jack McMillan, on the other hand, amazing. Um, a nine point five. I think he was absolutely outstanding. I don't I don't actually remember him having a single bad game for us this season. Undoubtedly the player of the year in my eyes. For, ended up with five goals and was it fourteen no thirteen assists or something? Absolutely ridiculous for a right back. Obviously doesn't take penalties, set pieces or anything like that. Um, even yesterday, the amount of times he got he got the ball in the box and just the, the final ball yesterday didn't quite pay off. But I think he's amazing and I'm absolutely over the moon we've got him for another year. And like like I said in the chat just recently, if it's true that we do have any sort of financial bother, then I wouldn't be surprised if a team puts in a wee bid for him because of how well he's done in the playoffs. That's the one thing, the one concern that we'll have with these playoffs is the amount of coverage that our players have been getting and other teams might fancy a punt on them. But Melbourne would be one that the teams would be looking at. So 9.5 for me. You mentioned that McMillan doesn't take penalties. He might have put in a, a decent shout for himself to be on the penalties after the spot kick yesterday in the show. That was probably the best of the, the whole show. And I agree with you, Lisa. No arguments for your score for McMillan there. Um, Jamie, Lee Hodson. I'd say Hodson was a good squad player to have. He was never outstanding, but he wasn't really ever bad either. But, you know, he kind of covered at centre mid for quite a lot of his time here, which obviously is not his natural position. He's a full-back, played right back, played at left back, played at centre mid. He kind of played all over the place for us. But thought he slotted in when he needed to. It was quite solid in some of the games he played in. So, if I'm honest, actually, I'll give Hodson a six. I really don't think he was bad this season. And Yeah, obviously, he got injured and kind of never really played a part again after that towards the end of the season in the playoffs. I think he made, like, one substitute appearance. But I think he was solid enough. And would I take him back next season? Probably not, to be honest. I think we do need a, maybe a bit of an upgrade, but I think he was a solid enough squad player and did what was required. Yep, nothing else to add there. Um, I'll go for Ross Doherty next. I was sort of torn between, I was sort of in between seven and eight. I'm going to go eight for Ross Doherty. I think he's, I think he's maybe our most underrated player. And I was looking again at the Thistle archive. He's still the top of the the points per game. So when he plays, we get the most points. We average two points a game when he plays, and I think he's underrated because folks say. You can't, you can't go by what Fox is online, but here, oh, we won't miss him if he leaves. We will miss Ross Dockett if he leaves. And I think Chris Doom, that may be his priority to get Dockett tied up to a new contract. I think every time he plays, we're brilliant. Every time he's out of the team for a prolonged period is when we seem to struggle. I think he's, again, another one probably would have been in the player of the year discussion if he hadn't had some injury and suspension problems this season. So an eight for Dockett for me. We strike him in there. Yeah, I just come in on Dockett there. Uh, I, I think it's weird as well when people say that we wouldn't miss Dockett. And I don't know what they're expecting, if they expect him maybe popping up with all sorts of goals and stuff. I know last year, I think he finished with seven goals last year. And this year, I'm sure I checked transfer market and it says he has one goal, which I think is that own goal against Morton that clearly wasn't his goal. He just ran off celebrating it. So I don't think he scored at all this season, but he's... I think Dockett is brilliant for us and it would be a massive miss to any team. I'm sure I, I sent a thing in the chat recently. It was the the sort of 
the stat side of things and the whole analytics and Doherty was way and above anyone in the championship for sort of forward passes, getting the ball forward. He's the best in the world at winning second balls and I I think it'd be a massive miss to any team and any team that gets him would be would be better off. So I I hope to God that we can keep Doherty. He'd be one that I'd be really wanting to keep and I, I, I agree. I, I think he's had a good season. On Doherty as well, if I could come in as well. I was going to say, on the stats as well, I'm not sure, Reece, did you say then that he was the most foul player in the league or one of the most foul players in the league? Yeah, so that's another thing he brings. He wins a lot of important free kicks. You could say he goes down a bit easily, but he still wins us them. And yeah, he'd be a huge loss. And I don't know how I don't know how we'd replace him, to be honest. I don't think we'd get an upgrade on him. So he'd be a big blow. I really do hope that we keep him. Uh, Jamie, Stuart Barrigan. I'll give Barrigan a 7.5. I think Barrigan's had a pretty good season. I kind of want to give him an 8 as well. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm kind of havering between a 7.5 and an 8. I think he's had a good season. He's mainly been a very good sort of performer. Obviously, people will remember. It's, it's kind of hard not to. Yesterday was not his best game. That was arguably his worst performance of the season, and it's not the good time to have that. People will remember from missing a penalty in the shootout and also blazing that chance over the bar in extra time. So I don't want that to cloud my judgment too much in his performance this season. I think in general he has been good. Him and Doctor are a very good partnership, and I hope he stays as well because obviously he's out of contract. You'd like to assume he'll stay. He's been at the club his entire career. I think he maybe will be a one club man, aside from that loan spell here. And yeah, I hope he does stay. I'll probably I'll, I'll give him an eight. Go on then, I'll give him an eight. I don't think he's quite as good as Ross Doctor this season, but I still think he has been good. And yeah, I hope he stays as well. I'll go 7.5 for Bannigan and then I'll, I'll just drop him down a little bit below Docker. I think he has been really good. I think he's been much improved actually since since Doolin came in and sort of dropped him back a little bit deeper. I think we've seen the best of Bannigan just before the playoff, before he picked up his injury. It's very unfortunate that the chance fell to him yesterday. Very unfortunate he missed his penalty as well. But yeah, I think he will be here next season. I, I can't see Doolin allowing Bannigan to leave during his testimonial year. Uh, Reese Kyle Turner. Turner, um, fantastic year. Uh, I think uh, even la- last season, I think he finished the top of the championship with the most assists, and this year he's went better. That again, I think he finished on 14, 13 or fourteen assists, which is which is brilliant. I know he takes obviously the corners and a lot of the free kicks and stuff, but that's outstanding regardless. So, I um, yeah, I'll give Turner an eight. I'll give him an eight. Maybe a wee bit harsh. Could have probably got a wee bit higher, but I'll go eight. Um, I think he's really came on a game towards the end of the season and around the playoff time. Um, like you seen where the, the way the BBC, the BBC were raving about him and stuff. But I, eight, and I and I hope we can keep a hold of him next season. But it looks like he could be on a on a Premiership things before we get there. So um, I wouldn't be too surprised if he's not here next season. I think that's fair, Reese. I think if you sort of flip Turner's season around, I think the, if he had the the, the few months he had in the first half of the season, at the end of the season, we might not be talking about him in, in quite as high regard. But the last sort of three, four months, he was he was absolutely brilliant. I think he is well worthy of eight. I think he's maybe turned into our most important midfielder, like well, at least up there with Bannigan and Docherty. I think he 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 will be one to get a move in the summer. I think unfortunately we won't be able to keep him because I think Premiership teams will have watched him in the last few months. And I agree with eight because as I said, I think if and you've got to take into account the whole season. They maybe didn't have it all the way through the season. But yeah, 8 out of 10 for Turner. Fair enough. Um, Reese, I'll come straight back to you for Cole McKinnon. Uh, his season's kind of been a bit opposite to uh, Kyle Turner. 
I thought uh, McKinnon started the season on fire and we were all raving about him and he was linked with that move to Newcastle, scored that brilliant goal up in our broth and at that point you, you're actually thinking this guy could be anything he wants in the game. Um, but obviously, I don't know the whole ins and outs of things, but obviously he, he missed a few squads through illness and he was still kind of out at the weekends and stuff like on his posting on his Instagram. I don't know um, what actually went on there, but he's kind of came in and out of the team in the last couple of weeks just to sort of play a bit part role. I'd probably give him a five out of ten over the course of the full season. His fizzle career sort of fizzled out, but aye, five out of ten. I think middle of the road. It was always decent enough when he was playing. So I. Yeah, we'll always have the goal at our growth. No complaints for a five out of ten from here. Um, I'll do Cammy Smith next. Um, I think this will be quick. I don't think he'll be here next season. I don't think he should be here next season. I don't think he's really impacted on on any game that he's he's played in. I don't think it's for a want to try and I just think it's one of these situations where there's probably a player in here and it's it's just not come out at all in this Thistle career. So so three out of ten for Cammy Smith and we wish him well. Please don't score against us next season for air. Uh Jamie, Scott Tiffany. Tiffany, I'll give an eight out of ten to as well. I think the injuries are part of the reason I don't think he can get higher because he's been in and out of the team all season with injuries, he's been constantly having problems. But when he has played, for the most of the time, he's been very important. He's had a lot of games where you know, his, goal, his goal involvement, especially recently, has been fantastic. And I think he got 12 goals for the season, which is a good return for any winger. And I hope he stays. He's another one that I'm kind of resigned to leaving. I think he's probably going to get a move to the Premiership. I've seen in the chat, I thought he looked gutted at full-time. I think he wants Premiership football and probably wanted it with us at a place that he's popular and he's doing well at the Premiership but then we've not got that so I could see him moving to a bottom six Premiership club again I do wish him well he's a big reason that we got out of League One and big reason we got the position we did this season so I do wish him well but I don't think I can give him any higher than an eight purely because of his injury problems <laughs> you've maybe done Tiffany a disservice saying that he's one of the main reasons we got out of League One I think he probably is the reason we got out of League One yeah I think you mentioned his injury problems. I think if we do keep him, it will be because teams in the Premiership aren't willing to, to risk him on his injury problems. But yeah, he's, he's a joy to watch. I think he's one of the players that we've got that you would pay an entry fee to watch. Every time he gets the ball, um, you expect something to happen. And that sort of takes us nicely on to, to Stevie Lawless. So again, if it wasn't for a little dip sort of over the winter, I'd say would have been in the conversation for player of the year. I think the first three months of the season, he was, he was unplayable. Probably the best player in the league for the first two or three months of the season and then maybe the last month, six weeks of the season, he's sort of refound that form. His ball control is sensational. He's arguably better than he, he was in his first spell at Furhill. Some of the through balls and reverse balls to McMillan, his partnership with McMillan, a joy to watch. Um, so I'll go 8.5 for Stevie Lawless and yes, he will be here next season. Um, Reese Aidan Fitzpatrick and you can have a word on his, his, his mates Tiffany and Lawless as well. Aye, uh, so we'll, we'll continue on with Tiffany and Lawless first. I think I think we'll be a bit harsh on Tiffany with the scoring. Um, aye, like you say, his, his injuries are the reason that he, he may not get the move that he's wanting, the, the money that he's wanting elsewhere as well, because teams can't really afford to take a risk as big as he is. But we, we of course, will, because we know how good they can be. Like you say, 12 goals and umpteen assists. I think in his last like 12 games or something for us this season, they had 13 goal involvements or something ridiculous. So... Uh, I'd, probably, I'd probably give Tiff an 8.5 um, so somewhere along those lines a very good season, probably the, the highest goal scoring season of his career I want to say um, whereas 
loss. I think I think you're right. I think at times he definitely had a dip in the beginning of the season, but recently I think he's been outstanding. Like I, I don't think I've seen him lose possession much at all towards the end of the season. Like you say, he was pulling balls out the sky, jacking past players for fun, and like he never he never sprints at a player. He just he, he just drags the ball along, and they're they're having to jock him the throw away because they know if if they dive in, he'll just walk past them. He makes it look so simple. He just glides along the pitch and. It really is a beautiful thing to watch. So I give Lawless an 8.5 as well. Both of them had really good seasons. Um, now moving on to Fitzpatrick. I'm trying to avoid any recency bias, but I think like, if you look at the playoffs as a whole, he's the, the playoffs MVP. I think he was absolutely brilliant. And he, he, he took his chance when Bannigan got that injury. And I think showed how much like he wanted he wanted us to get up. He showed how much it meant for him to, to sort of get Fissel kind of back to where we, we should and deserve to be. Um, ultimately, we, as a club, we fell short, but I think Fitzpatrick can hold his head high with, with how he's performed in the last couple of games. Over the course of the season, it looks weird because he's only scored one league goal this season, but he's got seven in all comps, and that matched his only other season with us. So, two seasons for as a Fissel player, and he's got seven goals in both. I think he had six assists this season as well. So, I, I'd give him, if you look, you look at those stats for a winger who's barely had too many starts, that's actually pretty good. I'd give Fitzy an eight all in, just a wee bit lower than the other two, but that's just because he's, he's not had as many starts. But I'm hoping for a really big season from him next year. Yep, I agree. Um, Tony Wesson, again, didn't really happen for him, didn't get much of a chance, but he did score a goal, so I'll rate him a little bit higher than, than Cammy Smith. I'll give Tony Wesson a, a four out of ten. Um, Jamie, Sander McKenzie, breakthrough season for him. What are you expecting from him next season, I suppose, is the big question. Well, I hope he's kept in and around the squad next season. I'd rather see him stay in the team than go out on loan, to be honest. He's definitely got something about him. I was glad to see him get that assist up at Cove. And you can tell he really cares. And he's always looked good off the bench. And I thought it was a bit unfair to him on his first appearance in the league. He was shoved in at right back just after we conceded against Dundee in that game that we threw a free to. And but that wasn't a great way to introduce him to first team football in the league. But we got apart from that, he's been very, very solid when he's come on. And I think only because he hasn't played a huge amount, I'll give him a six. But he has looked good when he's played and hopefully I feel he's one that's more to come. Reese Brian Graham. Uh, he's, he's brilliant every season and in and this year twenty one goals. Can have no complaints. I absolutely mental. I've seen someone saying that he wouldn't be bothered if Brian Graham left in the summer. But I twenty one goals and umpteen assists as well. I think I think he's double figures for assists, which is, is crazy for a, a striker like who's who's labelled as a target man. Um, so I probably give Graham. It's hard to score. Um, you know what? I'll go an eight point seven. Slightly, slightly better season than Lawless and Tiffany. Um, just due to the goals that he scored. Um, has missed quite a few chances as well, and that's me being hypercritical. But uh, a brilliant season from Graham, and I'm sure we'll be seeing him next season. I don't think he'll be going anywhere. No, I agree. Fantastic. It's, we're so lucky to have him so close after after Dylan have been blessed in that department. Jamie, Danny Mullen. Phil so Mullen's a bit of a funny one because in the first half of the season, he didn't exactly have a great impact. Didn't do a huge amount. Didn't get a lot of game time either. In the second half of the season, he kind of became a good option on the bench. I think originally we would say, oh, the minute Graham went off, you just there was no goals coming on. But Mullen came on second half of the season, scored quite a few goals off the bench and He's someone that I'd be quite happy to see still around the squad next season. and I'll give him a 6.5 purely because he hasn't played 
a huge amount, I think, to get any more than that. But he has looked dangerous coming off the bench and probably unlucky not to have one or two more goals, to be honest. Yeah, I'll finish with Anton Dowds. I was surprised. I was looking at the, the stats here. I was surprised, actually, Anton Dowds managed more goals than Mullen. And I suppose this is recency bias again, because you forget how well Dowds started the season, especially with his goals off the bench. He had a, had a few really good and important goals off the bench early on. So I think it's recency bias would suggest that he would be getting at quite a bad rating. But I think it's important if we're reviewing the whole season to, to take the whole season into account. So if you're giving Mullen a 6.5, I always feel like Mullen's a bit more of a threat than Dowds. But I'll give Dowds a 6. Um, I, I think we, I think Dowds is contracted to next season. Again, I expect him to have a similar role. I think he does need to improve his sort of his hold up play and his the impact he has when he comes off the bench because in, in recent weeks it has been and months it has been minimal. But maybe a couple of goals at the start of next season and they'll, they'll regain some confidence and form they had at the start of this campaign. So six out of ten for Anton Dowds. And I think that rounds us up all twenty-two players who, who managed to appear ten or more times. And the second and final segment. Myself, David and Heather are going to go through the fourth annual Draw, Lose or Draw Awards and hand those out. It's the fourth annual edition of this and I believe we have seven awards to hand out. We'll just go through them in order. We'll chat about our own nominees and then if the majority wins, basically. Um, and congratulations in advance to the winners. Goal of the season is the one we will start with. I think plenty of plenty of candidate goals for this this award. Heather, I will start with you for goal of the season. Yeah, I've gone for the move in, the passing, the tempo, Kyle Turner. Uh, that was my favourite goal of the season. What a, what a team goal and yeah, fantastic. David? I have went for Jamie Snedden at Cove because... I mean, I invaded the pitch, right? Let's let's get that out of the way right now. I invaded the pitch. Everyone thought McCall was sacked. It was a terrible, terrible day up at Cove. I hate Cove away. I'm, I'm glad it's gone. It was awful going up there. And I wanted it just to be over. And then when Snedden went up, he scored. It's never been done before. It will probably never happen in our lives again. It's Jimmy Glass. It's what it is. He done a Jimmy Glass. And... Um, yeah, it's I love I love it so much. Like it's goal of the season. You say it's a Jimmy Glass. You could argue that in, instead of saving his club from imminent relegation, he prolonged a period <laughs> that denied a club promotion. But you know, I, I get what you mean. Uh, we do have a moment of the season award coming off a bit later. I, I might vote Snedden for that, but I'm going to go with the Turner goal. Um, I think there's a, we've got a lot of good candidates. I mind Lawless scored a really good one against. I think it was Cove early on in the season. I think Graham's volley is right up there, um, just in the, the Ross County first leg. But yeah, the, the Kyle Turner goal, um, that is going to get I, my vote for goal this season. Yes, can, David. Can I ask you, obviously we've only got three of us here. Can yes. we put in the fourth one as a collective? Like how when me and my friends, when we watch Eurovision, we all have a country we support, but we all choose a country to support together as a collective. Can we have the collective one as Tiffany at Rangers? David, you're jumping the gun. This is what moment of the season's for. <laughs> you were briefed. <laughs> right, okay, right, okay. We'll cut that. Right, that's fine. Okay, we'll move on to save of the season, David. I'll come to you first for this one. Uh, um, could I say Jamie Snedden the last minute at Cove and in the box um, with his great header? Um, 
to... Well, if you want to give Jamie Snedden uh, every single one of these awards, you're welcome rem- to do it. I can't remember any, any saves. Um, um, but I'll come back to you, David Wright. Right, John yeah. Collins will come back to you for the, the save of the season. I really hope someone cuts me saying that and puts that on their TikTok next season. That that would really make my life. This actually made me quite happy, this this little segment. Thank you. Thank you both for being here after such an emotional day. This is actually I want a new I'm on like I'm on a new level. Matt, I know what one you're going for, but I was gonna go for, I, I like that you reminded me of the David Mitchell double save as I against Wraith. Yeah. That and that was fantastic. So and I also felt like that was a really big moment for him in his Thistle career. So I'll go with that one. Absolutely. I had I had two saves in mind. That was one of them. Um as you say, Heather, I think that sort of made David Mitchell keep his place. I think if it wasn't for that, Snedden I think was fit the next week and he'd have probably went back in. But that sort of led to a really good run of form for David Mitchell. I'm gonna go for the Jamie Snedden save away at Hamilton in October. I think it was the last minute and we were 2-1 up and he's made an incredible late save down the, the other end from the, the away fans and that won us that game that I think that sent us top of the league as well. So just for the importance of the save and I think for the, the difficulty as well, um, I'm going to go for, for Jamie Snedden's at Hamilton. So David, you've got the, the cast and vote here. I know you probably won't remember either of those saves, but you know, knock yourself out. I do like the Mitchell one. I do like the Mitchell one. However, um, I have thought of a save that I, I really liked. Uh, if I could throw the guy, throw it in, just oh, to kind of. Jamie Snedden against Rangers. He saved a fucking penalty at Ibrox. We get, I've got a penalty, a penalty to Rangers, and we saved it. Like, it, it was, it was absolutely brilliant. Um, if only you know, we we had him on, on Sunday. Um, yeah, but I think the the day. Oh, I don't want to vote Mitchell over Snedden, but. Um, that Mitchell save was really, really good to double save. It was the moment where I was kind of like, "All right, okay, I understand it now." With Mitchell, and that that was the one that, that was the one that I remembered. So I would probably go with that. But for me, Snedden against Rangers. Okay, so honourable mentions for Snedden away at Hamilton and away at Rangers. But David Mitchell is going to win our save of the season award for his double save against Wraith. We will go on next to match of the season. Now, again, I think we've got plenty to choose from. It's been quite an exciting up and down season. Plenty of good matches to choose from. Heather, I'll start with you first on this one. And maybe I'm like David with, um, with Jimmy's in here, but I've gone for the Queen's Park at home for now. It was just creme de la creme thistle and a really great night out in months afterwards too. Uh, so it was just, I thought it was just perfect. And we had so, you know, we the, the players had a lot of fun, free-flowing football. We were on the BBC. We looked great. The fans were class. Just, yeah, 4-0 four, four Queens for me. Yeah, good show, David. I, I went a bit off-piste with this one. My favourite one, was our broth away back in what September the two 0 It was the moment like that I realised that you know the the full potential of being a Thistle fan and what it means to go every week. And it was around the time of you know Jags Foundation. You know everyone had rallied behind something. We went to our broth for the hoodoo, and we broke the hoodoo. We had a great day out. You know pots, pans, nuts, bolts, tools, fancy goods. The lot. It was it was honestly an amazing game. We went 1-0 up, it was great. When we scored the second, absolute pandemonium. 
my favourite game of the season, 2-0 at Arbroath. It literally, the, the Scottish Championship was the friends I made along the way this season <laughs> because I didn't know people before. And I literally have made lots and lots of friends this season. So this maybe the Scottish Championship was the friends we made along the way. You know, I actually said that to my, my Queen's Park and Rangers supporting friends yesterday, David. It's not about promotion, it's about it's about the friends you, you made along the way. That was another good one, David. Uh, I, I can't really argue too much against that. I think we've had some really good days in the playoffs as well. I think especially air away was great. I'm going to go with Heather and the, the 4-0 Queen's Park. I think that was the best complete performance we had this season. I think to break the sort of mini hoodoo that Queen's Park had over us as well. It was on the TV. That leads to, you know, I get a lot of messages from folk that don't watch Thistle going, oh, Thistle were great tonight. I did. The whole evening of that that game was great. And I think that's when folk really started to believe under Doom that we might have a, an outside shot at something that season. So, yeah, I'm going to go for for that. And that will win our match of the season. So, Patrick Thistle, four, Queen's Park, nil. David, you've been so keen to speak about the Snedden goal at Cove, the Tiffany goal at Ibrox, its moment of the season. Um, which one of those or, or other wins it for you? Um, I mean, I'm giving Snedden the goal, I think, for the fact that, I mean, like, let's be honest, we are a mentor, mentally broken fan base this morning after what happened yesterday, but we're not as mentally broken as Rangers that day at Ibrox when they had to bend the knee and let us walk a goal. And Alan McGregor practically spasming, trying to stop Scott Tiffany from scoring that goal. And just the fact that it just it just really got to them and they just kept going on about it. And they, they don't like Michael Beale now that much because of him. Uh, like, we, we could have won and they'd brush it off and it wouldn't have happened. You know, they, they wouldn't have cared in about a week or two. But this, they cared about this. And it was absolutely wonderful. And just the day all together with the record factory. And just, you know, the, the fan base united. Me running down eight flights of stairs to, like, grab Welshian when we went 1-0 up. It was an amazing day. But I, actually, I have another outside shot for moment of the season. The Kelly Hearts game. The protest up in the canal at the Kelly Hearts game. It's direct action it is it is most effective it's the lowest ever attendance we had at a scottish cup game and and they folded and and all resigned afterwards i i, I shudder to think what happened if we'd all just went to that game and just didn't have a protest and we just sat with our mouths shut where we would be now and yeah we know it might hurt yesterday but that that game is the reason that we are in such a good position now and it is absolutely frightening to think where we would be if that hadn't happened so I'll go I'll go the up in the canal at Kelly Hearts, but I mean the the rain uh, Tiffany's goal against Rangers moment this season for me. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you mentioned that, David, because I think long term that is obviously the most important moment out of the three. I think that's done so much positive for the, the long term future of the club. Um so I'm glad you gave that a shout, Heather. I think one thing to note throughout this conversation is just that I feel like this season will be remembered for many of us and when we're old and grey and hobbling around at Fur Hill that we'll remember this season particularly as as I mean chaotic on and off the pitch and it's hard to choose a moment of the season and I think this like this will be you know when we look back in 10 years and go what what one do we remember like of the 2020s I think this one will be 
will be massive. Uh, for me, moment of the season, well, I was very similar to David and I've gone for Rangers away. I think one of my favourite things was the the banner that appeared afterwards. No trophies in 11 years uphold the standards that matter. That was abs- that was sensational. And um, I also think that us even getting that a VAR penalty, I mean, I know that currently VAR is not our favourite thing, but I think the fact that we got a penalty at Rangers, which is just unheard of if you are not playing um, in a Rangers strip, is and it probably wasn't even a penalty if we're really honest. So um, yeah, I, and then and then the Tiffany thing, I um, it was kind of thing that where people who don't even care about football had seen it, had heard about it, and it was just fantastic. So yeah, I will go moment of the season, Rangers, Rangers away in the cup. Yeah, I think Rangers away was one of my favourite days. Like in terms of the the pre match, before it pre match. That was an incredible day to be a Thistle fan. Uh, I met my pal, we went for a curry, then we went to the record factory, the record factory, that was an amazing event. And then the march to Ibrox from, from Govan Subway Station, that was amazing. It was a brilliant atmosphere on their way end. And then a crazy game of football. Um, David, did you go for the Snedden goal up at, up at Cove for the, the moment? Uh, I gave Snedden the goal and Tiffany the moment for... Right. Aye, so, so, so t- Tiffany's going to get the moment. I would probably vote Snedden for the moment because I, I sadly I was down in London um, for the COVID away game. So I'm, it was one of the few games I missed this season. And I think if I could swap being at uh, swap seeing the Tiffany goal for this for experiencing the Snedden goal, I would do it. I think I would that would be the moment I'd most want to be at. So I would vote for that um, as my moment of the season. But um, yeah, if you're going to outvote me, <laughs> I'm happy with that. Well, I would go in there and say like. Can we have a FOMO moment because I also miss the snow. Okay. So okay. like I feel like we can give we can give that to um we can give that to Tiff. Right. No, sorry, not sorry, sorry to Snedden because we both missed it. Excellent. So Scott Tiffany's getting our moment of the season for his goal at Ibrox and Jamie Snedden is getting our is our FOMO moment. Oh that does that's bad, doesn't it? That's like calling it the MLS. What how would you have um the that? David Forrest 2013 uh, award for uh, best missed out moment? I will I will ask you as you both went there, would you have been on the pitch? I don't think I'd have made it to the pitch yesterday. <laughs> No, I, no, I mean, been, no, no, I mean, like, if you'd oh, been Cove. there at Cove, if yeah. you scored, would you have been yeah, in the yeah. pitch? Would you have been yeah. in the pitch, Sarah? I think so. I mean, I Andrew had my my two nieces, and he had one one of them was he had them both in his arms, one screaming and one crying, and he always talks about that that moment. And I'm like, if I was there, potentially I would have had one of said screaming ch- children, and maybe as you have put the barrier. But in that, yeah, I was to say, imagine I took my four-year-old niece on that. I'd be unreal, wouldn't it? <laughs> it's moment. I have to say, I mean, this is horrible, but so um, it's actually horrible to remember. But Ross, Ross Nisbet and I met each other like at halftime, and Ross and I famously were the first two on the pitch at Peterhead, and that was a really big moment for us. I was seven years old, like, and Ross is like, Ross and I just like hoofed it on together. And um and we did like exchange words that like you know meet you on the pitch and that is just oh gosh that's gonna make me cry now but um yeah I oh. um I I had my moment yesterday I had a similar moment to you um it's a big thing in wrestling as well when someone's going for a world title they always say never touch a trophy or touch the belt before because it's bad luck that sort of a thing I done that yesterday when I thought uh, when I thought oh my god Ryland's gonna tweet about us. 
<laughs> he's going to say you cinched it lads and then immediately I went what have you done David what have you done like oh god um, yes that, that was my touch of trophy moment before you get it you, you never think about these things before okay so we've added an award uh, mid mid recording which is always good <laughs> uh, we're now up to eight awards uh, we'll go on to award number six out of eight it is eight now not seven we've added midway through the record David I'll come to you first on this one chant of the season um, so an honourable mention for uh, the uh, my chat at, well the chat at Rangers when we all get held behind afterwards and all the Rangers fans had to leave and people started singing walking away the Rangers way about ten minutes after the game had finished and when they were all walking out I really enjoyed that but my my favourite has to be it's my favourite pop song of the 2010s it's on the floor J Lo Pitbull it's Stuart Bannigan he loves the Jags he drinks and Monday hates the Huns. It's an incredible song and it's an incredible chant, and he, and he does. I, I can't argue against that again, David. I do love the Stuart Bannigan one. I feel like I've been nitpicky earlier on in the record about Chris Doolan, and I, I feel like I need to say how much I love Chris Doolan. What an incredible job Chris Doolan's done. The Chris Doolan as our leader chant is is excellent. It basically reflects how the fan base feel. And I love Chris Doolan, so I'm going to vote for, for that mostly to apologise for nitpicking earlier. Um, so Heather, a straight shoot out for you between the, the Chris Dolan chant and the, the Stuart Bannigan one, unless you've got any more to fling in. Yeah, no, I had. I am, I I absolutely love Chris Dolan. That's absolutely clear. And I mean, I was going to get a Chris Dolan tattoo. So <laughs> it was, it, that that is clear for me. But I have to say, I, I a thousand percent agree with David that J-Lo is my favourite. It's the one which when I brought friends to the football for the first time, it's the one that they enjoy the most, that they find the most funny. And um, yeah, I'll I'll stick with you there with um, with Stuart Bannigan and on the floor. Excellent. He didn't have his best day yesterday, Stuart Bannigan. So hopefully the consolation of winning the draw, lose or draw, chant of the season award will, will pick him up off the floor. Um, a silver medal for Connor McAvoy's American Boy, which you only go. had it for about three weeks, but it was it was a fantastic chant. Rest I feel like that's one of those ones that, like, see in the future when we have like a really bad season and we don't like any of the players that we have and we just sing songs about players of the past. I feel like that will be that will be one that we that we got that we come back to. One of my friends is a Leeds fan and he said they spent like the whole last game of the season just chanting about players of yesteryear. And I feel like that's such a thistle thing. Yeah. Right, we'll move on to award number seven now. It is the Alan Ruff Award for the worst thistle take you have seen this season. And thank you to Alan Ruff for sponsoring this award. Heather, I'll start with you on this one. Well, first I was thinking, I was like, can Alan Ruff win his own award for... Some might see that as a conflict of interest, but there's no rule book. If you want to give it to Alan Ruff, you give it to but Alan Ruff. No, I, I actually, well, I ha- I do have one, but it's maybe it's a bit of a cop-out from Thistledaz. But I think one of the worst takes of the season was suggesting that uh, that, that, that Thistle played a friendly and partnered with uh, a team in South Sudan. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was probably the worst take. So, as you mentioned, someone saying that Brian Graham's like Brian that we that we should let Brian Graham go and that he's the like the worst striker he's ever seen at Thistle. I think that boy needs to be lied down to. Uh, but um, but no, I think I would go for 
I would go for that, though, with an honourable mention to Alan Ross counting. He is welcome to come to one of my uh, math classes anytime he wants. It's a strong opening candidate, David. I will pose to you on episode 94 of Draw, Lose or Draw. Uh, myself and you both said Stuart Bannigan would receive less than four <laughs> yellow cards this season. Has there been a worse take than that? <laughs> Um, no, not really. No, um, I, I did. A, um, my favorite, uh, my favorite one. My my nomination was going to be um, the Rafe Rovers fan last week, who claimed that um, us giving kids uh, doing the kids go free scheme has led to a new generation of hoodlums and pyro obsessed terrorists who are infesting the street, uh, the stadiums of Scotland on a weekly basis. I thought that was quite good. I will say, though, uh, to, to bring it back to wrestling, um, there's the Wrestling Observer Awards uh, with the Brian Danielson Technical Wrestler Award because he, ran, he won it so much. And he has since won that several times while it's named after him. So I think Alan Ruff absolutely can win his own award. It's, it's heritage. Right, so where, where are we going with this? Is Alan Ruff winning his own award then? Are we, are we good with that or are we giving it to Can we give it to Jim Layton instead? Yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll just send Jim Layton a trophy. <laughs> okay, right. We'll move on. That was a wee jokey one, um, and we'll move on to the, the big one: the the draw, lose or draw, player of the year. Now, I don't know what, how you're going to order this episode, David. So you might already have heard uh, myself, Jamie, and Reese go through players and rate them out of ten. Um, but David, who's going to be your player of the year this season? Oh, Jesus, it's so difficult. Um... Mm, uh, right, I've got three in mind, and I, and I think you're going to say two of them. <laughs> this is my problem. Um, so I will go. You know what? I'm going to go Brian Graham, right? Because he scored a ha- a boatload of goals. He's the, the the absolute lifeblood of of the team. He's he's the beating heart. He, he wears his heart in his sleeve every game. You can see how much it means to him. He's the guy in the media. He's basically Dylan. He's basically what Dylan was when Dylan was our striker. He's the one doing all the press and talking about the club. And he's so passionate. Even like the Dundee ticket fiasco, he was the one talking about it. And he, he, he has a chip on his shoulder. And he, he, again, he, he's not afraid to, to be a motive. I know obviously people are taking a piss at him because he was crying on the pitch, you know yesterday or whatever but that's just how much he means he he is thistle uh, at the moment and to top it off on his days off he's going and managing the women's team to top six and they're an incredible unit I, i'm gonna go brian graham for his overall contribution to thistle this year i can't argue with that david it's a good shout Heather. i feel like i'm in a safe space to say this since the mcmillan mob isn't here um because obviously i totally agree that he won the won it over the season and he's been absolutely fantastic especially in recent form but I don't think we're in the position that we are and there's certain games this season where this player has just has just won it and been a cut above and I and also it was his first full season in a full team a full-time team and he's is superb and no I'm not going to say Cammy Smith uh, I'm saying Harry Milne 
I think it's it is easy right now to forget because of what has just happened and how raw the playoffs are. But I think um the contributions that Harry Millen has made both um in our in our own box defensively but also attacking wise. Uh, he saved us in many occasions. Fantastic game against Dundee that, that springs to mind. But just in general, I think, um, you know, if he doesn't get that injury, for me, he's like he's 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 won the club's award, and for me, he's winning my dollars or draw player of the season. Yeah, I I think for me, we were talking earlier about the guys that would be in the discussion. For me, the guys that would be in the di- discussion are Ho, Milne, McMillan. Lawless and Graham. For me, I think Holt and Milne just miss out because of the months of the season that they missed. I think for me as well, Lawless, I think, had a dip in the winter. I think he might have won it, actually. So I think he misses out. And then you look at McMillan and Graham, who have done it throughout the the whole season. Personally, I would go McMillan. I think that would be my my vote. But I'm happy to go for Brian Graham on the whole to give him the award on behalf of Joel as a draw because David did make such a resounding case for him. So I think it's good that we've we've all sort of voted for a different a different player. Mine would be McMillan, Heather, yours is Milne, Forrest, David. I don't know why I called you Forrest there. Uh, David, um I've got players on my mind. Um David, you went for Brian Graham. Heather, if it's okay with yours as a collective, is is Brian Graham a, a worthy recipient of this award? I- thousand percent I mean he as David said he is distal and there's I really hope that someone's got it and when he came off in the second um in the second half in the first leg him and Dules hugged and I was like that needs to be framed pictured around for hill people would buy that I generally was like I should text Stuart Goldie and say make a badge out of that people would buy it you know the number nines together uh the number nine alliance I love it yeah Brian Graham Excellent. So to run through our eight end of season awards then, goal of the season, congratulations to Kyle Turner and congratulations to David Mitchell for winning our save of the season. Match of the season, Partick Thistle 4, Queen's Park 0. Moment of the season, Scott Tiffany's goal at Ibrox. FOMO of the season, Jamie Snedden up at Cove. Chant of the season, Stuart Bannigan to the, to the tune of J-Lo. Um, the Alan Ruff Award for the worst Thistle take you've seen won by Jim Layton on behalf of Alan Ruff and Player of the Year, Brian Graham. Congratulations to our winners. Now, if you've made it this far into the the episode, I feel like I've been recording this for about three days. Congratulations. (laughs) We will be back at some point over the summer. We have a few special episodes planned, including quizzes and season reviews and things like that. So we will be back over the summer with the odd special episode, but I think... Um, I'm speaking for David as well. We we will have a couple of weeks off to to recharge the batteries, um, and we go again next season. David, no, the grief I got. Matt texted me last night. No way, you've just said we go again on Twitter. <laughs> got a reaction. Take I, right into your hands. Can I finish the, the draw, lose or draw season with a, a quote from Leanne Crichton, if I can find it? Because I thought this summed Partick this up absolutely perfectly. Uh, do, you want me to, do, do you want me to just put it in? 
Do you want me to uh, just record it and put it in? Yeah, put it in. Put some maybe some mystical sort of piano music around it either side. And <laughs> I think that'll be a perfect way to, to end the season. But if you've listened at all, this, well, obviously you've listened at all this season if you've made it, but especially if you've listened every week and you've got in touch on Twitter and you've shared the podcast, thank you. And we will be back over the summer and then again on a weekly basis next season. Leanne, I can't help thinking back to the 2019 World Cup, which you were involved with, in, with of course, Scotland 3-0 up against Argentina, and then it ended 3-all, and well, you must experience those sorts of emotions that we've seen today. Yeah, that's it, and I think looking at the game, probably the worst thing that could have happened for Thistle was for it to be going as well as it was. So for tonight, guys, see you in the morning for our clash against Mott. Good night. Literally, you know, the, the Scottish Championship was the friends I made along the way this season <laughs> because I didn't know people before. And I literally have made lots and lots of friends this season. So this maybe the Scottish Championship was the friends we made along the way. You know, I actually said that to my, my Queen's Park and Rangers supporting friends yesterday, but it's not about promotion. It's about, it's about the friends you, you made along the way.